Welcome everybody. Today is June fifteenth, episode three, number three. Mister Devil himself, Candanico. <laughs> Here we are, Chris, Corey, and of course myself, James. How are we doing tonight, boys? What's up, dudes? We're doing good. Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. All right, we'll uh, get started how we usually do. Give you guys a quick rundown of what we'll be discussing. We uh, don't have a lot of segments for you guys today. We're doing something a little different. We'll start out with the current news, what's going on in hockey the past week. We'll do this every week, and then we're going to jump into uh, our season awards segment. I was advertising this on the page throughout, asking you guys to fill out a little survey for us to give your opinion on NHL awards as well as devil specific awards. So we'll go through those, see what you guys said, and we'll give our own awards out. And depending on time, how we're doing, we might add my prospect corner in as well. We'll see how it gets towards the end. So uh, we'll jump into the current news. Um, there's a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good amount of news this week in the NHL, which is a little odd given how not much has been going on. But yeah, let's I mean, jump we'll take into it. it. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing I want to mention is, I'm sure you saw it on our pages, um, LeBron and Friedman report gave an update on the Devils coaching and GM search. The first report earlier in the week, LeBron said that the Devils interviewed eight to ten different head coaching candidates. This was limited down to four finalists. And we presume this hasn't been confirmed. Well, Nazardine and LaViolette has been confirmed and interviewed. Glan as well. And we're... we're guessing the fourth finalist is Stevens because he was also interviewed. So that's what we think in the final four are. I wrote an article on each four. If you guys haven't checked that out, check it out. It's um, gives you a good idea what everyone brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, as for general manager, the ownerships are still exploring options. Of course, Tom Fitzgerald's names at the top of it. We're not really sure who else they've interviewed. Actually, I, one name came out, and this was the other report that came out later in the week, that Eddie Olchek was interviewed. This was per Friedman. Yeah, that's right. The that NBC Sports guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> the NBC Sports guy that did Chicago sports and all that. Yeah, I, I don't know about that one, boys, but I guess we'll see that where that goes. Anything else from that? Uh, oh, on Thursday, it came out on Insider Trading, TSNs, or Sportsnet insider training that Peter Laviolette is the name heard most associated with the Devils and that was per Darren Dreger. Of course, that doesn't mean it's like a done deal, but that's supposedly who he's heard most. I don't think anyone really has any idea what's going on. I yeah, mean, nothing's really who knows? close to being finalized, I would think. Yeah, so the second thing that came out, non-Devils, is July 10th is the tentative date for Phase 3 to commence. Phase 3 is official training camps. The players will report back and training camps will kick off for those 24 teams that will be returning to play. And, of course, it states contingent on health and medical stuff. And this phase, phase three, is the last phase before play fires back up. Never have I gotten so excited watching traffic cones and pucks on ice in practice. <laughs> I've, I've never been more excited <laughs> with that kind of scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a little videos trickling like out Edmonton people working out in the cells. Yeah, the really small groups. That's part of phase two, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, they're getting those training camps set up. There you go. Um, closer to hockey, closer to the sports that aren't soccer and uh, NASCAR. But Thank Okay, God. so the third thing that came out was per the athletic uh, article by James Riddle, really good article. I recommend it if you guys are athletic uh, subscribers. The latest 
date they are rumored to have the Stanley Cup handed out is October 8th. So this would set up for a draft and free agency in mid-October, quick turnaround, a two-month offseason, which would carry us over into December, and then training camps would open mid-December. The season would commence on January 1st with the Winter Classic. And where's that Winter Classic this year? Uh, Minnesota and Winnipeg. I believe it's in Minnesota Okay. At, uh, Target Field. Yep, yep, yep. And so that would be the regular season date. And that would bring us to August where next year would supposedly end. The interesting part about this is it's being rumored that Gary Bettman is pondering doing this full time. He's being told that the NHL has the TV deal coming up soon. Mm -hmm. So he's being told that this by switching their schedule full time, this would increase the TV deal rights, the broadcasting rights. And this is because the NHL season would miss the World Series and a main chunk of the NFL season and, of course, would take the competition away from they would get more views. Makes sense. Also, the NBA, too. Yeah, I was going to say the NBA playoffs as well. Yeah, so February to August is the biggest downtime in sports, and January to August is what the NHL's new schedule would look like if they went this path. Just to give you guys some idea of what other sports do, NBA is October to April, NFL September to February, MLB is April to October. So... That, that gives you an idea. So that's pretty cool. What's your guys' opinions on this? I like it personally. What's your, what's your guys' thoughts? I think it'll be interesting. I think I've spoken about this on a previous episode we did with the relocation. The ice in the summer is a lot different than it is in the winter in terms of yep. how the puck reacts on it and how much it's going to take out of you and stuff. Um, I, I honestly understand why they would do it. I it wouldn't be surprised kind of from if, that standpoint. you know, ownership and the commissioner gets behind it and the players, you know, if it increases their pay, reduces the escrow, you know, if it helps with any of that, I'm sure they'll be for it. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I just think of it like a, a summer ice that I'm used to um, and how that can be different. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, I definitely wouldn't rule it out just because your only competition is baseball, which looks like they can't really get their act together right now. So. Yeah, that's a mess. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> but all right, um, we'll move on to the next thing I saw that Sportsnet confirmed, or they com- they Sportsnet confirmed it, not the NHL that Las Vegas is one of the two hub cities. And let's all be surprised. Re- yeah, I, just we, pretend. We, when we had Anthony on, Anthony said it. We all said it. That it makes the most sense. The other rumored ideal candidate for the city is somewhere in Canada. The reason why the NHL hasn't announced the two hub cities and confirmed Las Vegas is because they're still trying to work out with the Canadian government because there's currently quarantine rules. If you come over from a different country, you have Mm -hmm. to quarantine a certain amount of days. So they're trying to work all that out before they officially announce anything. Another thing that came out was Pierre McGuire said that teams are supposedly in no rush to hire GMs and coaches those teams without them. And the devils, as we know, are without both of those. Um, expect, and this is because the economic climate currently with the COVID virus affecting the economy and all that stuff. And he pointed out that the devils owe Ray Shero the next three years um, payments for his contract and getting out of that early. So the devils probably don't want to jump into anything just yet, knowing they have to pay that out. And he also mentioned that the devils are really lucky that John Hines went to Nashville because they would also had to owe him money for the next couple of years, but they don't have to now that he's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Last thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on to the awards is Larry Brooks reported that there seems to be confusion in the devil's hierarchy of ownership in terms of interviewing for the next general manager, um, Harrison Blitzer, 
are supposedly not interviewing these candidates at the same time. They're sitting in on different uh, different meetings, like a divide and conquer type of deal, which I think is a terrible idea. I mean, yeah. just because one guy likes the guy doesn't mean the other likes it. Why not have two in one meeting? Maybe it's because the virus. I, I don't know what's going on. And they're probably not meeting in person. It's probably over phone, right? My, so I don't, I don't know. My, my hope is that it is a situation where ownership is trying to be hands off in the decision. They're trying to let, you know, the hockey minds make up the decision. So that would be like assuming Fitzgerald is doing every what single interview. Minds, I, I would, ex- is, I would assume it's like Fitzgerald. The, this, is oh, this is for the GM. The GM. Yeah. Oh, okay. this, this is regarding general I mean, manager. Then at that point you might have Marty. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure he's involved. Um, but that, that brings another thing. Larry Brooks said, he brought that point up about Marty mm. being involved. And they also t- he also talked about possibly interviewing Kevin Weeks, the uh, NHL analysis. He works for NHL Network, I yeah. think. That's a totally different topic. But, um, yeah, it, it seems like a little bit of a mess, a mess, a lot of confusion, which is not good to see. I'm hoping it's more of a chaperone situation. Yeah, Like that there are, there are hockey minds in place who are doing the bulk of the interviewing and but, are going to contribute to the be, decision. Though? Who would those hockey minds be? They don't I mean, have a GM. They don't have a coach. Yeah, it, obviously, I think it would be Marty would be one of the voices in the room um, in, in terms of who else is with the organization. Honestly, I'm not sure. This is just my hope for what it is, yeah. because it is definitely not a good situation if they're, you know, they're going to make the decision and this is how they're doing it. I'm just yeah. hoping it's like a chaperone situation where they're like, OK, we're going to let the hockey people make the decision, do the interviews. We're just going to kind of sit in on it. So we're at least in the loop. But ultimately, we're going to rely on the hockey minds. That's what I'm hoping you're pointing it out. It's the only name I can think of is Marty. Um, so this could be a very bad situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the other thing that they said is supposedly the next guy in there as a GM won't have a general manager title. It'll be the president of hockey operations, which I don't know what, what that's about. I feel like I mean, if you're going to do that, it thing. has to be a very big name. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, I think this makes it sound like Fitzgerald might not be the guy. Yeah. Because everyone's like, Fitzgerald's definitely the guy. And then this comes out and everyone's like, eh, not so fast. I don't know. It seems messy. Hopefully they figure it out soon. But Unless um, they're just not really super uh, into the interviewing for GM. Like maybe they're they're set on Fitzgerald. They're just kind of doing their due diligence to see what's out there. Maybe that's what they're doing too. Possibly. Who knows? Hey, Eddie right. Olchek already sounds like Lou in the interviews. <laughs> Wow, what do you mean? Have you, you haven't heard that at all? I guess no. in, the, in one of the in one of the interviews when he was asked if he was you know, he was approached for interviews <laughs> for the position, he oh, uh, yeah. yeah he said he said I talked to a lot of people in the NHL and then then he yeah. said you know it's, it's status quo you know, famous <laughs> Lou quote. <laughs> yeah, when I when I saw they interviewed him for a GM spot, I went and like you know Wikipedia that's the most trustworthy search. So of I course. hopped on there and looked at his profile. The man hasn't worked really like I know he coached the Penguins. He was a head coach of the Penguins at one point when yeah, Crosby yeah. was like a rookie or something. He, he, yeah. got, he got he got fired halfway through Crosby's rookie year. He didn't. Um, he has no executive slash behind the scenes work though, like up in the yeah. hockey departments and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love Eddie broadcasting. I love his hockey knowledge. He does a great yeah, job of breaking down the plays. So he has that. It's just that executive position. I'm kind of hoping we do someone that has more experience. Yeah, I <laughs> that we choose feel someone. like that would not be a good. Mike Gillies, baby. Bring him in. Analytic guy. Love him. But um, all right. Good stuff, boys. We're going to move on to the uh, award segment now. Um, we'll go through a list of different awards. We're going to start with um, season awards. 
like NHL wide, the heart trophy and all that good stuff who we think we should get. We'll read your results. So like I said, we'll start with the heart trophy. Um, all right. So with the heart trophy league MVP, our boy Taylor Hall won this, what, two years ago now, right? Yep. Carry the team on his back. Yep. So <laughs> that's what you're looking for with this award league MVP. The most notable names that have been out there with this awards, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreidel, slash Connor McDavid. They put up very similar numbers this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artemi Panarin's name was out there. He had, uh, I know you guys don't want to hear it, but he had an amazing season. That guy's unreal. Mm-hmm. And am I missing anyone? Panarin, McDavid, McKinnon, and Dreidel. Uh, David Pasternak's name was out there too. But Yeah. So for me... I have Nathan McKinnon. He had a 93-point season, and that mm-hmm. Avs team was very injured this year. He played with different line mates on like a nightly basis. Yeah, Ranton missing, missed a lot at a time. Yeah, Landis got too. Yeah, he missed a lot of time. But uh, when the, a Rampum chart is one of them fancy stats that I like looking at, and it shows two, three offensive metrics and two defensive metrics underlying stats. I you guys should see this guy's offensive stats. It's unreal. He like breaks the charts in the mm-hmm. three offensive categories. And when you compare him alongside to how McDavid and Drysidle did, McKinnon did a lot better defensively as those two. And like I said, play with different line mates. So for me, you give it. You have to give it to McKinnon. And my honorable mentions are McDavid and Panarin. How about you guys? You guys. So James, uh, James might enjoy my answer here because I'm about to uh, admit I was wrong on a specific topic. I feel like we've been over a bunch of times, um, but I got it. I got to tip my cap and, you know, eat my own words. I, I think Dreisaitl would be my choice. Um, I was very much someone who yeah. I didn't think Dreisaitl was bad, but oh, I, I felt he benefited. I thought that? <laughs> this is I think it's like we've always just had this opinion. So like it never comes <laughs> up anymore. But I was always of the opinion that Dreisaitl was a great player, but he really benefited from playing with McDavid like anyone would. Well, he still but, does. There's, but yeah, he, does. he still does. But there was, you know, McDavid was out for a good while this year, and they were on separate lines too. Tippett actually split yep. them up. Um, yep. And I just, I got to tip my cap, eat my own words. Um, Dreisaitl <laughs> would be my choice. I, I would yes. say Panarin does get an honorable mention, but because if this it, were a normal situation, the Rangers wouldn't have made the playoffs. That's yeah, why exactly. I didn't really consider him too much. Yeah, I didn't even see that. If uh, the Rangers would have made the playoffs, like actually made the playoffs, I would also pick uh, Panarin here. And going along how you pick Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl are a fan survey. 54% with Dreisaitl, 41 with McKinnon. McDavid got some love and Panarin yeah. didn't get any votes. Uh, that doesn't surprise me with Devil's <laughs> Army blog. So. Yeah, but Corey, right. who'd you have here? Uh, I was Team Chris on this one. I went with Dreisaitl as well. Dreisaitl basically, as well. Yeah, basically the same reasons. Because, I mean, you, you hear a lot. It's like, oh, he plays in McDavid. But, I mean, he centered his own line for most of the year, like Chris said. And <clears throat> And uh, and yeah, that was started like halfway through the season, and he only played with McDavid on the power play. That was that was pretty much it. And uh, and the same thing. Well, Panera, Panera's my runner up. I hate admitting that a Ranger is my runner up, but yeah. it was Panera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must enjoy that. <laughs> People don't really know, but Drysaddle McDavid are kind of brutal defensively. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys ever seen any stats on that, but their uh, charts aren't pretty defensively. But good stuff. Yeah, I think either way, McKinnon, Drysaitel. Just even out of McDavid, curiosity, I mean, with what you said, was Taylor Hall great defensively? I, I can't remember uh, if he was the year he won the MVP. He, uh, or not. he was fine. His he charts was, he was fine. All right, it's about average. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. he's fine. But um, 
Yeah, I think either way, McCain, Dryside, all McDavid, you can't go wrong. And I think Panarin should definitely have gotten consideration if the Rangers actually win yeah. the playoffs. But uh, all right, good stuff. So that's award number one. Um, the to summarize, I given it to Nathan McKinnon and you two, Connor and uh, Connor, uh, Connor <laughs> David, right? Chris and Corey giving it to uh, Leon Dryside also. Um, he earned it. So. Yeah. The second Venza trophy we're going to talk about now is top NHL goaltender. Um, so we'll start with what you guys said. You guys voted 33% in favor of Tuka Rask, 30% in favor of Connor Hellebuck. Andre Veselowski got 21% and Ben Bishop, ben Bishop got 17%. I'm trying to think of any other names that should be on consideration for this award. Jacob Markstrom, I think, is a name that could have got con- some consideration. Yeah. But, um, Corey, who do you have for this one? I was Tuca. It was with the fans on this one. I mean, he just Tuka. had an unbelievable, he had an unbelievable season. <laughs> yeah. Chris? So, for the, the Vezina, I, I got Hellebuck up in Winnipeg. Yeah, yep. No one really knew how they were going to be this season. I think their defense has been okay. There's been some surprises. I think the pickup no, they got really in the bad. Rangers deal they did. <laughs> this summer he's actually turning out okay but yeah. just the fact that you're playing in front of Bufflin Meyer or excuse me you're playing without Bufflin Meyer's true but you lose them all in one offseason and he's putting up the numbers that he has uh that's that's crazy especially because he was struggling at one point too like he, th- there was rumors he'd be on the way out um just great to see him turn around yeah, I totally agree with you there. I got Hellbuck too. He had a 922 save percentage, which is well above yeah. league average. And doing that in front of a team that owned ready, I'm about to throw some more fancy stats at you that are going to confirm exactly what you said like two minute, uh, 30 seconds ago, Chris. Let's go, baby. The Jets owned the worst expected goals in the whole entire league. And they were third highest in expected goals against, which means that their defense and the people in front of Hellbuck are just giving up great chances left and right, and Hellbuck standing on his head. That's basically what that numbers uh, yeah. number means. How he he was just terrific, especially with the team behind him. And to think that the Jets were like in the second wild card, even if the season didn't go how it was, they would have made the exactly, playoffs. Yeah. So. Uh, my honorable mentions, Jacob Markstrom should get more love. He had a yeah. great season, and he, he's one of the main reasons why Vancouver yeah. was hanging around in a playoff spot. He was great. And, I think uh, he's similar yeah. to Blackwood in that they won more games than they probably should have because of him. Yeah, so. and that same thing with uh, Hellebuck. And that's what I think this award comes down to, too, because How many games can you Tuka, Yarrow, Halak. Halak had a great season, Yeah, too. I think he might even had better numbers than Tuca had. And of course, you'll probably see them win the Jennings for just best goaltending overall. Yeah, yeah I like think tandem trophy. Save like save percentage, I think. Yeah. Or something. But yeah. So recap Venza, me and, uh, me and Chris have it going to Hellebach, and Corey and the fans have it going to Tuca. So good stuff. Um, move on to the Norris trophy here. The guys that I put in the poll for you guys to vote on was John Carlson, Roman Yossi, Victor Hedman. I don't think I missed anyone. You guys have any other defensemen that should have been in consideration? Um, not not in a general sense. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of guys you can make a case for. Yeah. But. Dougie Hamilton, before he got hurt, what, he break his leg or something? Yeah, he was, was something having big. a career year, and if he played the whole season, could have rivaled the top guys i think he would be in consideration and some people still have him in but Mm -hmm. he got hurt unfortunately for him um all right so the fans voted 67 percent in favor of carlson 25 percent to yossi and hedman got around seven percent for me i went the alternate route and i went with yeoman yossi instead of carlson 
Yeah. So because this is one of the awards that people think are the easiest to hand out because Carlson was just unreal this year, but I got yeah. some stats I want to spit at you guys. So Roman Yossi was second in defenseman scoring, of course, behind Carlson. He had 65 points in 69 games, which is mm. just terrific. And the Predators weren't, they're not as good as you may think they are, especially with how Hines is the coach in there. Their numbers took a big hit since he took over. Yeah. Um, his underlying stats defensively were better than Carlson. Carlson's offensive were better, but Yossi's defensive were better. Mm-hmm. And Yossi played nearly 26 minutes a night, and this was third most of ice time in the whole entire league. Carlson played, I think, a whole two minutes less than he did. But yeah, that's my reasoning for Yossi. I'm sure Carlson would have got it, but that's that's what I got to say. You guys both with Carlson? I'll let Corey go first on this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with Carlson. I mean, yeah, you guys season, with the fans. Yeah, yeah, his best season to date. He was, he was impressive out there. I went with the Jersey boy, John Carlson, as well. Um, the fact <laughs> he's from Jersey had nothing to do with it, but that's just a nice tidbit. What part of um, Jersey is from? I North? forget what part. I think he's like closer to south, I want to say. Oh, really? I'm not sure. I, I, I need to be fact-checked on this. I'll look um, it up right now. Keep talking. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I looked at the fact he's averaging over a point a game, which is just crazy, crazy. for a defenseman. Um, and, you know, the, the most basic stat ever, the plus-minus. He's plus 12, which, he's, you know, again, there's a lot more that goes into it. Oh, he is from Massachusetts? He's in Massachusetts. Natick, Massachusetts. I thought he's from Jersey. Um, nope. Yeah, I see I'm, that too. I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm, keep I'm, I'm, a cor- I'm, I'm looking at the internet's most reliable source, Wikipedia, right now. So. <laughs> yeah, it is the most reliable source. So. All right. I may be wrong on this one then. Hold on. All right. You know, this. We're, yeah, we're admitting okay, all my wrongs. Okay. Today. We started no, out with dry side. No, 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 no. Nope. Oh, you're good. Wait, wait, wait. So he was born in Massachusetts, but supposedly started out and played his like youth years of hockey in Colonia, New Jersey. Okay. Do you know where that is? It sounds familiar. Um, I'm not sure where it is on the map, but wait, oh, it's by Rawway. Okay, so that's up by like northern New Jersey, basically. Yeah, that's North Jersey. Yeah, Rawway, Linden, Woodbridge Township. All right, go ahead. Sorry, (laughs) no, I'm glad we got this straightened out. Um, Averaging over a point a game, which is just unreal for a defenseman, and then uh, his plus minus being a plus twelve. You know, obviously there's more that goes into that, but the fact that he's not a detriment to his team defensively in the process. And putting up those kind of numbers, I think, is just uh, it's crazy. I, I don't know if we've ever really seen a defenseman recently do that. So Yeah, he's he was electric in the beginning of the season. He was on my fantasy team, and he, <laughs> he put in some work there for me. But, um, yeah. But, Shout out to uh, Tavares and Marner always being hurt for me. That really helped. Yeah. So. All right, so recap. I had Yossi. I went the uh, alternate route, and then you guys went on with the favorite in John Carlson, and you guys also agreed with our fan survey. Okay, moving on to the Calder Trophy. That's what it's called, right? Calder. Calder. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you I'm terrible. Calder Trophy. <laughs> okay, so. Um, uh, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Elvin Merswinkus, the goaltender for the Jackets, too, was hurt for some of the year. Mackenzie Blackwood's name could even realistically be thrown yeah, in here. Be I know people are, there. Yeah, I know people don't want to hear it, but he was terrific this year. Yeah, I put him in there um, as like a, bias, an option, but, but yeah. not somebody I would expect to win. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, the kid from the Blackhawks, Kublak. Kubalik. Yeah, that Dominic kid. Kubalik. Yeah. Yeah, he had a great year. Um, he plays forward for the Hawks, but the main two, I think it came down to, and I'm sure you guys agree, is Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. 
Yeah, that was basically what yeah. we were seeing the the whole year, and I, I think it's because they they were just putting up numbers and playing defensively um, in a way you definitely wouldn't expect a rookie to, but better than even some veteran NHL players. Um, it was yeah. just crazy they were going back and yep. forth the whole season. So yeah, with them uh, defense, they always defensemen always take a little longer than the forwards to develop, and <laughs> they they developed pretty damn quick. Yeah, huh? I mean year one. Yeah. All right. Chris, who you got? McCarr, so this was very hard for me. I, it took me some time to kind of pick who it was. I ended up going with McCarr because I was between Hughes and, and McCarr. Um, he did miss some games uh, due to, a, I believe it was a concussion. But it came down to me. I was looking at basically his goals, five or, uh, 5v5 per 60. Um, he had a .52, and then his points as well it was a 1.81 points five on five per 60 versus Hughes, .21 and, and 1.26 in those areas. I feel like they're, in terms of their decor, um, Vancouver might have had a better decor by veteran experience. I don't know. I, I kind of saw them as about even when I was looking at it because um, I was trying to think, you know, okay, well, who has like a better all-around decor? Um, could that help? But the, I, I think McCarr have a, did a lot, lot of like n- not well-known names back there. That Ryan yeah. Graves kid. Gerard. Yeah, Gerard. A lot of young, talented kids back there. Yeah. And that's who we were hoping someone would be brought back in when Taylor Hall was supposedly going to Colorado. Yeah. But that never panned out. Um, and Corey, then, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, that. plus they got Bowen Byram in the pipeline too in the future. Yep. yep. Uh, Corey, who you got? Again, again I'm, I'm, I'm level with Chris here on this one. Basically, all the same things he said. I got, I got Kale mm-hmm. McCarr. I had a tough time deciding between McCarr and Hughes, but I ended up being McCarr overall. Yeah, this was a really tough one. I, I at first when I went into it before I did my research, I thought McCarr all the way. Um, I still think McCarr deserves it. If I had to pick between the two, that's I agree with you guys as well. And also, our fans were sixty three percent in favor of McCarr, and Hughes got thirty three percent of the votes. Uh, McCarr fifty points in fifty seven games, which is just crazy for defenseman, let alone a rookie defenseman. Um, he played twenty one minutes of ice time, which is a lot for a rookie. And his power play, his play in the power play was absolutely insane. Um, they got charts for that too. And his chart, he broke the power play chart. Um, and interestingly enough, Quinn Hughes' numbers defensively were a wee bit better than McCarr, but McCarr's offensive numbers were too good to pass up. So, yeah, it, it's crazy. I have a buddy that went to UMass or, yeah, graduated, but he went to UMass and he lived like right down the right down the hall from McCarr. It's crazy how this kid goes from living inside the dorm to a year later playing. Uh, he played in the playoffs last year, right, for Colorado? McCarr? Yeah, he, he, he played. Yeah. Uh, they signed him out of college. His college season end. Uh, I think he won the Hobie Baker. Again, yeah, I'm probably I, yeah. gonna need to get fact checked on that, but I think he, I think he did win it. Came yeah. in, had an unreal like first couple games in the playoffs. I think he like scored in his first game. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like my buddy, like I said, went to UMass. He lived down the hall from him. Like the kids living yeah. in a dorm, and then a couple weeks later, he's up scoring goals in the NHL playoffs. And next year, he's probably gonna be winning Rookie of the Year. Yeah, but, he was the Kobe Baker winner last year. Hobie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Kobe, yeah, sorry, my bad. <laughs> it's all good. Wow. Did you said Kobe? I said Kobe. Kobe. I don't know why I said Kobe. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. All good. Um, all right. Yeah, so we're all in agreement. Kel McCarr here over Quinn Hughes, and also the fans agree. I got to give Mackenzie Blackwood an honorable mention there. Yes. I mean, he was terrific yeah. this year. He, he deserves to be in the conversation, it. at least. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, all right. Um, next is the Selkie Trophy. There was interesting candidates for this one. The Selkie's always fun. I mean, yeah. usually it's a Patrice Bergeron award, but basically, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this year, Sean Couturier, Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, Flip Dano, Denault, Dano, the Canadian center. Mm-hmm. He's a very underrated player. He should get consideration for this award. Saw his name thrown out, and there's also yeah. a couple guy, other guys, but those were the main guys um for me i went sean couturier here mm-hmm. um he was electric this year and he was part of the reasons why the flyers surprised everyone including myself and had themselves such a run um it is the most beautiful chart i've ever seen in my life all all the the bars on that chart are maxed out he like literally broke the chart defensively his course against per 60 is unreal it's probably the best in the league um and also what did it for me is back in a game in october against new jersey the devil's top line at the time was nico hall and gusev and it was by far their best line and on most nights they would control possession when they're out in the ice they got absolutely caved in against the katoria line they had a 19 court uh 19 Corsi four percentage and a 7.9 expected goals percentage. And just for you guys, um, I, I don't know if you guys know, but our listeners do average for both of these numbers, Corsi four percentage and expected goal percentage is 50 and the devils rolled with, uh, the he sure line against Katoria rolled with a 19 Corsi four percentage and a 7.90 goals percent, uh, goals for percentage, which is unreal job by them. That's what stuck out to me. And then I went later on uh, when I was doing my research and saw his full year numbers backed up. And he also did offensively, whether you guys want to admit it or not, this award's also about how you perform offensively. He had 59 points in 69 games played. So, yeah, my guy's Couturier. Corey, who'd you have here? Couturier all the way. There you go. <laughs> Final, we're on agreement. Chris, yep. who you got? So I went off the board, off the grid here. This oh, is a did? dark horse candidate right here. Uh-huh. Oh. I'm going to throw in... Anthony Sorelli from Tampa okay. Bay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I just his name out there. I, I was kind of comparing uh, stats overall between <laughs> who we had, and he just he kept popping out to me. I mean, his time on ice average per game eighteen twenty eight compared to Bergeron, who had eighteen forty four. So he's right around the same ballpark in terms of play time each I, game. I didn't know Sorelli played that much tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did I look he was it up. Like a fourth line guy. So did I. I was. I was like, okay, he's got great. He's got pretty good numbers, but he's probably playing like you know eight ten minutes a night. Like, and I was like, oh no, he's he's getting around the same time as Bergeron. Bergeron. Um, they're plus minus Sorelli plus 28 Bergeron plus 23. So again, same ballpark. Um, Bergeron does have Sorelli in the faceoff dots. Uh, he's got a uh, Bergeron that is, has a 57.9 percentage, whereas Sorelli's 47.5. Sorry to interrupt um, you, but that's another area where does really, really well. The, the face Flyers off are dot. the best face. Yeah. yeah. The Flyers are the best faceoff team in the league. Which is huge long, uh, for yeah, defense. It's by a far margin and Katori is the main reason why I don't know his exact percentage, but he's great in the dot. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, and Sorelli, the, the him and Bergeron in terms of the, uh, on ice, even strength goal differential, they're both tied at 26. They got the same amount. Um, an edge here goes to Sorelli in the shorthanded time on ice uh, on average because he's doing about 249, whereas Bergeron is 143. So a little bit more shorthanded time for Sorelli. Um, I, I just I felt like he should be in the consideration. He's my dark horse off the board, off the grid candidate on a stacked Tampa team, which, you know, uh, you can make the same case. Boston's pretty stacked as well. But the fact that he's not your 
not necessarily your top player, and he's probably seeing more of the skilled guys, especially being on the uh, the penalty kill and everything. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw just based off his numbers. I didn't look up too much of the Corsi or anything, um, but he's he's the guy I ended up going with. I didn't look at uh, I didn't look at his numbers at all there for that stuff. So yeah, I I just noticed that I kept looking for Bergeron specifically. And I kept seeing him pop up right around him because they had like similar stats. And I was like, okay, yeah. he's got similar stats. He probably plays a lot less though. And I was like, oh no, he's right up there with Bergeron. Same amount of time. Yeah, good stuff. No, that's a good candidate. I did see his name out there. When I was doing some research, but um, yeah, I wonder how that stuff uh, compares to Court Court. Jesus, Sean Couturier. Did you yeah. look at that at all or no? Uh, I didn't look up Couturier too much. I can probably pull up his face off percentage no, here good. real quick. So. For this award, the Selkie Award, summarize, me and Corey went with Sean Couturier. You guys, the listeners, fans, went with Patrice Bergeron. And Chris went with the Dark Horse in Anthony Sorelli. So our last NHL-wide award will be the Jack Adams Award. For you guys that don't know who that is, it's basically the uh, top coach, the Coach of the Year Award. Gallant won one. Just, just saying. What's that? Gallant won one. Gerard Gallant, just just some head coach. He he, he he won one. Just just saying. Just some head coach that may or may not be looking for a job right now. Hint hint. But um, devils. Come on. But so for the guys that are in consideration for this award, Tortorello of the Blue Jackets, Elaine Vigneault of the Flyers, Owen Owen Tippett, um, Dave Tippett, right? Yes, Dave Tippett. Yep. Owen Tippett's on the Panthers. He's on the uh, HL team. But um, Dave Tippett of the Oilers. And what's the Penguins head coach first name? Sullivan. Mike Sullivan. Mike. Mike. Yeah, Mike Sullivan of the Panthers are guys that were really receiving consideration. I saw Bedner too, the Avalanche. His name was being thrown around there. Um, So the fans win 50 percent with Tortorella, which I thought was surprising to see, knowing how yeah. Devils mm-hmm. fans name may not be John Tortorella's biggest uh, supporter, but 50% in favor of Tortorella. The, uh, Flyers head coach, how do you say his last name? Vigneault. Vigneault. Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, he got 25%, Tippett got 21%, and Sullivan got some votes as well. Um, Corey, who you got here? I went with Vigneault on this one, um, mainly Good just choice. because it, it, it was his first year in Philly, so that that, that alone right there, um, because they, they've been struggling up until this point. And they lost Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom uh, during the year, and he got a breakout year out of Travis Konechny. So, like, I went with him just for that purpose. And he, he did have Sullivan and Torres as kind of runners up, but both of them have been with their franchises for a couple years, so they're already familiar with their players. They're already familiar familiar who's coming through the pipeline. You got Vino who came in there with no knowledge of the team. I'm sure he did his homework, but he came in there not knowing like who was coming in through through the system or anything like that. So that's why I ended up going with Vino. Yeah, the Flyers hadn't. Absolutely amazing season, and they blew exp- like blew the roof off their yeah. expectations and surprised a lot of people. I'm really interested to see if this keeps up in the playoffs that we hopefully get soon. Um, for me, I went with Tortorella, um, the probably the favorite here, um, but Columbus they absolutely lost everything in the off season. Um, mm-hmm. Duchesne, uh, who else they lose? They lost a lot. Who else they lose? Chris, help me out. Uh, Duchesne was one of them. Panarin, Bobrovsky. Panarin, yeah, Bobrovsky. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, so they were pegged by many to actually finish last in that in the Metro, dead last in the Metro. We know who finished last. We don't want to talk about that. But um, 
they also battled a ton of injuries this year or Tortorella had to deal with them. Um, Seth Jones was out for a while. I think he's still hurt. Cam Atkinson, Jonas Corposalo, who was their number one before Melflinskis, the rookie goaltender who we talked about before, took over, and he ended up getting hurt as well. And then um, Josh Anderson and Oliver Borkstrand also missed considered amount of time. And that's just a few of them. There's a lot more than that. Um, and he had them in a playoff spot, in like a legit playoff spot too. Mm-hmm. I think they were in a wild card spot when the season ended, got halted. Vigneault was a runner up for me. He was real close. He, what he did there was absolutely insane. And Sullivan as well, because the Penguins might have had even more injuries than the Blue Jackets, which is impressive. But Chris, who do you have? Uh, I'm basically on the same page with you, James. Uh, I think Torts, uh, you know, based off what the the cards that each coach had to deal with, basically, he, he made the most out of probably having the least in terms of talent on his roster. That is a perfect way to say it. Um, the fact that they're sitting in a second wild card spot, I mean, the, the fact that they're in the playoffs at all is just astounding. When you lose a top goaltender, a top offensive producer, and then an, uh, another top offensive producer, I mean, it just goes to show towards uh, he's... I've always liked his coaching style. I like how he's kind of adapted it. He's not uh, as, you know hard on his players as he used to be. He's still hard on them, but uh, he, he's adapting to the game and the way it's changing and everything. Yeah, you could get in trouble for being too hard on him nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, I thought he's always been, you know, very demanding and, and uh, I've liked his style of coaching. Um, Vigneault would be the runner-up for me, just like you said. I agree. I think the Flyers were unreal this year. Pandemic basically ended their winning streak because no NHL team could. Uh, I think they were up to like, what, <laughs> 10 games or something? Uh, I have no idea. It was getting ridiculous. Yeah, they were on, I they were on a crazy absolutely street there. hate the Flyers. Um, yeah. I hate them more than I hate the Rangers, especially me living in Philly now. Yeah, you're it in the, just, you're in the south part of it. So that, that's interesting because yeah. that is something I, I'd ever considered yeah, with that I dynamic because well, I'm Rangers I'm in Philadelphia. is most disliked. Yeah, now I'm like literally living in Philadelphia. I grew up in South Jersey, so I had to deal with it then too. But yeah, yeah. I hate the Flyers. But um, all right, summary. You guys, the listeners, went with torts. Me and Chris as well agreed with you guys, and Corey went the route with the Flyers head coach and Lane Vigneault, which is also a great pick. Um, do we have any ideas? The idea if they like push back the award show, like what what they're actually doing? Because I know they're still going to give awards out. I just don't know when. I think they're going to wait. Um, it just makes sense for money, you know. You yeah, I, I didn't know if they had like a set time. date yet or not. No, I don't think they set a date. They're, I think they're going to try and keep it in the off season, just because that's another NHL event people can pay attention to when there's nothing going on. So, yeah. all right, yeah. So that was all the awards we talked about. I think that really the only one we didn't talk about was there's a couple of the sportsmanships one, the Masterson, which oh, also news that I could have mentioned before that Travis Zajac is the Devils nominee for the Masterson Trophy. Yep. Um. So it doesn't mean he won it, but he's one of he's one of the candidates to win it. Yeah, I think one player from each team gets nominated for exactly. So it's like the Walter Payton Man of the Year for the NFL. They nominate each player, and then I think the Master Team. This one's for coming back uh, from like adversity, like an injury or something, or something similar to uh, that, isn't it? Because this is what Brian Boyle won. He did win it. I think it's dedicated. They have the actual description. Um, let me get it for you real quick. Yeah. But um, yeah, Brian Boyle won this. It was last year, right? Yeah. Brian Boyle won it the year he he had uh, came, uh, overcame cancer with us and everything. Um, yeah, I can't remember if that terrific. was last season or the season prior. I think it was the year Hall won MVP was when he won it. 
named after Bill Masterson. Lady Bing, I think, is the uh, like professionalism, like least amount of penalty minutes. Yeah, that's the minutes. one that I think I was reading. Ryan O'Reilly. It's usually the guy that doesn't have a lot of penalty minutes, but it's also yeah. really good. That's what, what I'm I'm saying. Like Louis to used to award. win it a lot. Yeah. So the Bill Masterson Trophy is awarded to the player who best. <clears throat> excuse me, who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Zay Jack was the nominee for this one, which was interesting. I mean, I agree. I feel like, yeah, but, um, well, I think if you look at it from like, uh, what this team <coughs> kind of went through this year and who kind of took charge in the locker room, uh, I think that's, that's why, you know, Zay Jack and Palms definitely took charge of, you know, basically any media interactions and being the face of what happened so having to talk each night with reporters about what's going on when you you have higher expectations that's not easy um yeah so that's the masterson trophy um bobby ryan i was just searching the masterson i'm sure he'll get great consideration for that award that was a great story if you guys don't first game back patrick yeah if you guys don't know what happened i'd recommend looking it up um but yeah, the other one we didn't talk about was GM of the year. I mean, we could have talked about it, but I felt like we'd just skip that one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. That's the NHL awards. Um, we're going to move into the devil specific awards now. So I made these up myself. Um, I don't know if I did it last year, but I, every year since I joined back in 2016, I'd write an article basically giving out awards and I'd give get everyone's opinion on the blog, seeing who they think's deserving. And this year we're going to talk about it here. The first category we have is best acquisition made by the Devils in the offseason. Like there was a lot of acquisitions, but it turned out they all kind of like weren't great. So, well, not all of them. Nikita Gusev, <laughs> um, Jack Hughes, PK Subban, Wayne Simmons, John Hayden are the five acquisitions that come to my mind. Um, you guys oversounding, and I'm sure we'll agree here. Nikita Gusev, um, 92% voted for you guys, and 8% voted for Jack Hughes, which is interesting. But. Um, <laughs> So for me, of course, Gusev, he was, in my opinion, spoiler alert, I have him as the best Devils offensive player as well. He actually, after a slow start, he was decent defensively after he was just absolutely miserable in the beginning. And he's just watching him out there, the creativeness he brings. He's just an exciting player, and he brings like an interesting dynamic to a team that has been lacking this exciting player in the past however many years. I'm sure you guys agree with the Gusev choice here. Yep. Yeah, so I would say uh, Nikita Gusev definitely for offseason. If you want to include in-season those two first-round pick acquisitions, though. Yeah, yeah, this is more <laughs> of the offseason. But, um, yeah, they did a lot of acquisitions. Those two first-round picks and the foot kid that they got in the Coleman trade, those were great, and too. And Kokanen. Kokanen, too. Yeah, people don't underestimate him as a prospect. He's one of the Devils' better prospects in the system, and that's not a knock on the Devils' prospect system. That's just how good of a player Yanni Kokanen is. Yeah. Um, is regarded as Carolina but, fans weren't happy. Yeah, and <laughs> so that's a whole different subject. We'll get into <laughs> a later time with the uh, Sammy Botnin conditions on that trade with the Hurricanes coming back. Like yeah. he plays a certain amount of games. That pick is going to be. I don't know. That's going to be messy. <laughs> but um, we'll happy. get that at a different point. Um, all right. So the worst acquisitions, those about five I said before, who's the worst out of all of them? You, uh, the listeners, voted a resounding. Well, actually, this one was close. Subban got 46%, John Hayden got 42%, and Wayne Simmons got 13%. Um, Okay, Chris, hit us off for this one. So I think if we're going to define it, 
um, based off the stats, the, the the whole team was expected to perform better this year. Um, I, I think that it was it's hard for me to pick this one because even though uh, each of these guys I could think of as being like, you know not the greatest acquisition in terms of their stats. I liked what they brought outside of that. Um, I thought Simmons and Subban, even though they weren't great statistically, they were great teammates. You saw Simmons stand up for basically anyone yeah. defending Jack Hughes, and you even saw Subban doing that too. Um, Hayden, I mean, he he was a little bit better down the stretch too. And again, another guy where it don't that's matter being, who it is, he's going to stand up for his teammate. Like. So... For me, it's kind of hard to pick anyone for this. Um, I'd say that you can make a case for any of them, but I, I, I honestly I can't pick one now. No, I, I gotta on respect now. that. Uh, I gotta respect that they were able to stand up for their teammates and everything. That's right, that's I'll something I really gotta stick with. John Hayden for me. Um, he was traded for Quinville, and that doesn't seem like much. I don't even know how Quinville did in uh, Chicago. I think he was hurt for a lot of year, but he did play in the NHL. Good for him. I, I loved watching John uh, Quinville in the AHL. It's a shame it didn't work out for him, but yeah. I hope he gets it going in Chicago. Um, for me, it was Hayden just because he would take up a roster spot when younger – or a uh, like a lineup spot when younger guys like Joey Anderson. Even Zaka sat out a couple nights for um, – and Hayden played. Yanni Koken in at the end of the year. Nick Merkley showed he had some stuff but sometimes got scratched in favor of John Hayden. I feel mm. like that's what did it for me. Um, Subban, I wouldn't call him a worst acquisition. I don't really agree with the voting that the listeners did just because yeah. he'll still provide a valuable top four guy if they use him right. Yeah. And those are hard to find. Um, uh, Wayne Simmons, like Chris said, he stuck up with his teammates. He was supposedly a great voice in the locker room. One of the few um, bodies that you could send to the front of the net and just battle, just old yeah. school battle in front. Yeah, and they got something for him in the trade. What was it, like a sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick? Yeah, I think it was like a com- really uh, conditional left. pick from Buffalo if they made the playoffs, which, uh, man, right behind Montreal. <laughs> yeah. um, Corey, who you got here? So this this one was a tough one for me, but I ended up going with Wayne Simmons. And, like, yeah, I take into account, definitely he, he had great leadership in the locker room and everything like that. And I knew he was only on a one-year deal, so I guess, like, my judgment may not be fair compared to everyone else on the list. But, like, I was disappointed. I expected a little bit more out of him in the year, and um, I was kind of upset about the return that we got from him. I think he should have been moved possibly a little bit earlier and possibly could have been negotiated for a third rounder because they got a fifth round out of of the deal. And I'm Mm -hmm. glad they got something. I'm glad they got something, you know, before the deadline came for him. But I think if something could have been could have been worth a little bit earlier, they could have gotten a little bit better of return for him in that one. Yeah, a lot of people weren't happy with the return there, but. I mean, like you even said, he was really disappointing. He didn't like on the score score sheet. He didn't produce much at all. Yeah, we were hoping and, to get um, back to that thirty goal. Yeah, yeah. Pace. Not even that. I mean, like no. he didn't even. He wasn't really even that great on the power play where he gets most of his points. I would have been happy with like a like a fifteen goal season, but he didn't even. Yeah, um, it was definitely a perfect that. contract. Yeah, and he didn't prove much, but um, yeah. <laughs> which is unfortunate. But all right, recap for that one. I went John Hayden, Corey went Wayne Simmons, Chris. We won't I talk sat about on Chris fence. because he didn't do nothing. <laughs> and you fans went with PK Subban. So that brings us to our third award here. Um, sorry, I got my papers. I think Subban's gonna bounce back and give us a killer year. Yeah, I don't know about Killer, but if the coach uses him right, he could definitely be a valuable top four guy. And like I said, those are really hard to find. Yeah, um, that's what I'm. That's why I'm curious if Laviolette's going to land behind the bench. If 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 that's going to make a difference or not. 
Yeah, and the thing with Subban too, I don't know if I was going to talk about it there or not, is Subban was brought over and we knew there was a very, not a very good chance, but there was a chance of the steep decline just because of new scenery and the fact that he wasn't too great in Nashville with that injury beforehand because that whole year with the injury and then he came back and he put low numbers out. So we knew there was a chance of it, but um, all right, good stuff. We're going to move on to the next category, which is breakout player of the year. Um, who I put on the poll was uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, Nikita Gusev, Jesper, Bra- Jesper Bratt. I think those were the only three I put on there. Um, I'll start. Uh, for me, it was Jesper Bratt, which can kind of be like, oh, why he kind of like already showed and he put up similar numbers. But I talked about this on the last pod, how he was just absolutely insane defensively. And that's the area of his game that it really broke out with. It was great to see him do that. And that shows he could really blossom into a top six presence for this team. His defensive stats are better than any other year. Mm-hmm. And he also improved his uh, totals offensively and I think his yeah his goal total improved, but his assist and total point total didn't. But if the year was the full year and he played all those more games, he would have improved in both of those areas as well. My honorable honorable mention is Nikita Gusev here. The Mackenzie Blackwood was actually who the fans picked. It was kind of a wide margin too. He's fifty eight percent, and then Gusev was thirty mm-hmm. percent, and Brat was thirteen percent. For me, Mac really didn't break out. He just showed what we knew last year, confirmed what we he showed last year. Mm-hmm. His save percentage, I think, was only like a point higher than last year. He was terrific both seasons, but that's why I didn't choose Mac. Um, Chris, who you got? So I, I lean towards Gusev, um, just because of the way he was able to turn around the second half of the season. Um, in terms of Blackwood, I mean. You're basically right. Um, I threw him in as like a mention. Yeah. Just because we kind of saw a little bit last year what we had in him. It was very concerning to start the year to see him kind of slip a little bit. Um, But the fact he was able to keep it consistent basically the second half, uh, I mentioned him in there as well. Yeah. Corey, how about you? So I maybe I'm going to put my foot in my mouth for this one and going back about my comments about Wayne Simmons and getting a fifth rounder for that because it seems like Devils get some of their best players in the fifth and sixth round because I went with Jesper Bratt. Um, yep. I mean, I mean the dude was just insane this year I and mean, he was he was incredible. Had had one of his best years and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't know I, I love the guy and I hope we lock him up long time. I would I would <laughs> yeah. say he, he uh, broke out contract. a little bit his rookie year and then he took yeah. another step forward. Yeah, like that. Yeah, he was, like, that was crazy. Great. I, I bet you if I go back and look at the year I did this, his rookie year, and I, he's probably the breakout player I have listed that mm-hmm. year. But like I said, defensively, he was just a whole new player, and that just added so much more for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I said, the fans went Mackenzie Blackwood here, pretty large percentage, and then me and Corey went Brat and Chris, you went with uh, Gusev Goose, yeah. which was a good choice Goose. as well. Yep. Um, so we'll move on to our next one, which was the miss, uh, most disappointing. I mean, you got a lot of candidates here, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, you can just put the whole team. Um, but no, in all seriousness, some of the candidates I have and listed was P.K. Subban, Jack Hughes, Jasper Boquist, uh, Corey Schneider, and yeah, I said Subban already. Yeah, those were the main guys I had listed. The fans were a You didn't have any coaches in there for yourself? No, I, I wanted to keep this a strictly uh, player deal, but uh, okay. if you included coaches, they would definitely be at the top as well. Um, the fans, listeners, they voted 63% in Subban. Man, Subban's bringing home a lot of these awards. Not yeah, necessarily not a, the good ones. Though. Yeah, not, not when you want to win. <laughs> yeah, so Subban got 63% of the votes. Hughes got 17%. Bocos got 8%. And then uh, I think 
I don't think Schneider got any. But um, surprising. Yeah, no, I, I think the Devils fan base have a little. Uh, they they love themselves some Corey Schneider. Unfortunately, there's no in between with yeah. Corey either. Like, and when I say you hate the guy, you don't hate the guy as the guy. He's a great guy. He did yeah. awesome things for the team. He's a great leader. Helped Jack Hughes. Good in the I mean, hate him in the sense of his production, mm. but, um, or you like him because you feel bad. But yeah, there's no in between with him. Um, for me, I went the most just disappointing Jack Hughes. And like I said, I think I said this aloud podcast, how it's the least amount of points for a number one selected number one overall pick since 1997. His underlying metrics are also not great besides those ones. We talked about how his zone entries are really well. But for a first overall pick, I was expecting a lot more from him. And I know I guess you could have seen it coming with how he lacked his size. But that just – it made me a little sad to see him out there last year. But um, like I like we all said, we're not worried about him yet. He'll put on his size, and I'm sure he'll be fine. But for me, he was used for the most disappointing. And my second on, – uh, my honorable mention for Jesper Boquist, who also really struggled in his rookie year. Yeah. Who, after having a tremendous preseason, everyone was like, oh, man, Jesper Boquist, he's going to be great. But um, he'll be fine. Like I said, I'm not worried about him either. And Corey Schneider was disappointing. It's just mm-hmm. sad to see that injury really – and him and um, be interesting to see what they do with him in the off season. But Corey, who'd you have here? Uh, I, I was with Schneider for this one. Just, I was really hoping that this year was going to be breakout for him. He was going to bounce back. He was going to start to post up some impressive numbers again. I've been one of those people who's been kind of a Schneider apologist for the past few years too. So, but I was, I was excited, you know, back when we got him in that trade, like my, I felt, I felt like my freaking heart raced when that, that trade was announced. Well, so. well he was ter- uh, terrific. He was the only, yeah. he like served the Mac role yeah. at the end of this year where how he single handedly won games for two years. And I think the 2016, season or what was it 2016 season where he fell off because of his injuries and he just he was terrible since then but um yeah yeah. chris so i was uh i'm like Corey. i was actually leaning towards Corey schneider um just because you know he had the injury and the devils were so bad (laughs) i shouldn't say so bad they were bad in front of him for so long where he was like the only star really that you could point to for positivity and then right as this team is like in the rebuild mode, we're getting a lot of talent in there. Um, you thought last year he kind of got it together. You thought you saw him in the world's competition with Jack Hughes and Patrick Kane and stuff. Thought he got it together there. And then just the start of the season and how it progressed. Um, well, it was great going down to Binghamton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true, too. Um, I mean, it took, sending him down to Bing for that extended period of time. I hope he gets it back together. Nothing would make me happier than having a solid tandem between yeah. the pipes and going from. I like don't think we're going to see him in a worst next year. between Blackwood and Schneider when they were both just not playing well at one point to having them both kind of be solid backstops. That would be great. But for me, just most disappointing Schneider. Um, really, really hoped he would bounce back, and it was just not fun to see that uh, it, it just didn't happen. Yeah, um, this will be a topic I'm sure we'll get to in the next couple episodes about who I think we'll talk about this next week about what the goaltending situation will look like on the team next year. And I really don't know if we'll see Corey again in the black and red. Yeah, Um, it's definitely debatable. Yeah, whether he gets bought out or they entice someone to take on the rest of his contract. But it's unfortunate, but it does happen. We've seen this in the past with different players. But um, yeah, so uh, most disappointing, I went with Jack Hughes. You guys both went with Corey Schneider and the fans went with P.K. Subban. Um, 
So we'll move on to our next award, Devil Specific Award, and this is going to be the Best Offensive Forward Award. Um, the people I included on the poll was Kyle Palmer, Nikita Gusev, Nico Hishier, and Jesper Bratt. Um, I believe those were the top four scores on the Devils this year. That's what I just took that from. Um, fans went 42% in favor of Kyle Palmieri, 38% in favor of Nikita, uh, Nikita Gusev, and 13% voted for Nico Hishier, which I thought was a little interesting. But um, Corey, get us kicked off here. I went with Kyle Palmieri on this one. It was kind of it was actually a toss up uh, between him and Nico, just because I felt like Nico towards the end of the year like really really stepped up his offensive game, especially getting in the, in in the offensive zone, chipping, getting the puck away, and setting up plays and stuff. Um, but I ended up leveling with with Palmieri again. I mean, he's just so strong on the ice whenever he's out his there. Shots, amazing. Yeah. So, Chris. Yeah, I would say Kyle Palmieri as well. And I mean, Fitzgerald probably said it best at the trade deadline when he was getting asked, you know, are you going to trade Palmieri's like, why would I trade him? Why, why would I, you know, yep. a proven goal scorer, why would I trade him away well, just to sure trade him? made a lot of people think he was, which was scary for me. And oh, a lot it was of scary for people. all of us. We were all like, because <laughs> we thought Coleman was untouchable, and that basically set the whole thing off. It's like, okay, no one is safe. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, if he if he got a, a moon deal, like a crazy haul, he probably would have taken it. But, yeah, I mean, Palms on the power play, it's just you know he's there for that one-timer. The guy's just a goal scorer through and through. Yeah. Um, so I went with Nikita Gusev here, and I think I said that earlier. I spoiled myself, but um, I went with Gusev. That's a good choice. His, his creativity was just crazy watching this year. Really yeah. exciting player. He, he's more like it's talked about for his playmaking and mm-hmm. I totally see that but his shot was like real fire this year like yeah. there was some of them I think his first goal against Winnipeg right he scored that first night and it was just a laser Yep. and everyone's like alright that's what we're going to get out of him mm-hmm. or no that might not have been a Winnipeg game that might have been a few games later but I'm pretty um, sure Gusev like, did score opening night he did score but I think it was a rebound type goal yeah I think it was either a rebound or he was like parked in front and got a pass yeah but um no, that was good stuff there. Yeah, Gusev, 44 points, 66 games this year. He had, like, a crazy streak to end the yeah. season. And, um, yeah. And, I mean, he's adapted to the NHL size by now instead of the Olympic ice, too. Yeah, exactly. And for my honorable mention, I had Kyle Palmieri. Like, his shot's just electric. He's by far the devil's best goal scorer. <laughs> um, so, recap, Corey, you went with Palmieri, correct? Yeah. Yep. You went with Palmieri. Chris, you went with Palmieri as well. Palms. I went with Goose, and the fans went with Palmieri. Um, so I think this is our third to last category. But um, best defensive forward, the Devil Selkie Award, if you will. Um, it was – I threw Kevin Rooney on the pole there because that's all he does is really play defense. Um, <laughs> I had Nico Hichier on there as well, and our – uh, Masterson Trophy nominee Travis Zajac. Um, the fans voted 67% in favor of Hishier and 30% in favor of Travis Zajac. Um, I'll start out. I went Hishier, played the always playing against the team's top lines, playing mm-hmm. a ton of night. His faceoff percentage, I think you talked about this last episode, Corey, how it made a huge jump from 45% to 51%. So that yep. was great to see. And he was also one of the team's best penalty killers. My honorable mention, my boy Jesper Bratt was terrific defensively, as I've said so many times these past two episodes, and I also had Zajac there as well. 
Chris, who do you have here? I ended up going with Zajac. Uh, tried and true. Always been the Devils' best defensive forward, although Nico is now giving him a run for his money. Yep. Zajac, I think he had he had more PK time on average compared to Nico. He had 251. Um, and then also he was slightly better than Nico in the faceoff. He led the Devils in faceoff percentage of 52.8. I think he yeah. sure was like 51 dot something. So um, tried and true. Travis Zajac, that was my choice. You know what's crazy is you, like you just said, what was Zajac's percentage? You said 52 or something yeah, like 52. that. Yeah, 52.8, but I think he took like 200 more faceoffs than Nico. Yeah, and then Nico's was at 51%. 51 point something. Yeah, they were like yeah. neck and neck. So those two, those are above average, 52 and 51%. Mm-hmm. And the Devils are like, last time I checked, they were third to last face-off team in the whole entire league or second to last. Yep. So you got those two guys above average. The rest of the guys must really, really be bad. Huh? That's one on of the, the main reasons side. you saw Zajac on that easy pop line back in the day because he just face-offs, man, whether it's in the offensive zone or defensive zone. That That's one of the main reasons you saw him there besides being skilled offensively as well. Yeah, faceoff is a very underestimated part of the game mm-hmm. and the Devils have been really bad at it now for years, even their Affects playoff run they made. Numbers. Yeah, even the the playoff run they made a couple years ago, they were terrible in that season as well, so that's definitely something they got to figure out. Corey, who do you got here? Uh, so mine was a toss-up between uh, Nico and Jesper as well. Um, I ended up leaning more towards Nico. Just going back to what I was saying about how he's been a lot more chippy and um, ended up just like being in the zone a lot more, being like, throwing his body around a lot more, use, being a lot more aggressive on the puck. Um, so that's why I ended up going with Heifer on that one. Yeah, he was he's trying to get a little feisty, that kid. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly why I, I lean more towards him. He, just, he, was, he was like a little fireball out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good to see you, though. All right, recap. Um, I went with Nico. Corey went with Nico as well. Um, Chris went with Sajak, and the fans went with Heeshear. Move on to our next one, the Devils Norse Trophy Best Defense. And we got a lot of uh, <laughs> interesting replies on this one. I had, like, a other section, and if you voted other, at the bottom I had a text box where you put, like, what your choice was. And I 17% voted other and the comments for the other were just like no one the devil's defense sucked this year <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah 17 percent of Tell you guys you had really that feel. answer yeah i know right um eight <laughs> percent pick suban i'm not sure what they were watching but eight percent pick suban um 63 picked damon severson and 13 percent went with will butcher for me it was damon severson i don't think it's particularly close um he Mm -hmm. played top minutes i think it was last episode i raved about severson how he's really blossoming into a top two borderline top two top four defenseman even on a good team his fancy stats were the best among devil's defensemen he played in all circumstances he actually did well offensively too i know his points total don't jump out at you but his uh power play presence was really well that shot at the top of the zone um yeah so for me it was severson you guys have the same thing yeah i had severson um i think some people are probably focusing on the own goals category a little bit too much um which you know that's never great to see especially when it's you know the same person uh multiple times but like you said outside of that he, he was he was really great yeah Corey severson as well yeah right? I'm, I'm on the severson train too yeah he was a. Uh... He was great this year. Uh, my honorable mention was Will Butcher. Um, he also had himself a decent season. Um, yeah, I don't a, think he was horrible. 
No, he wasn't at all. He's a top four defenseman on this team and he'll play in that role next year. And he's a borderline top four guy on even good teams too. Uh, so yeah, we'll move on. Recap, we all went Severson and also the fans agreed this one was a pretty easy one. I think it was one of the uh, easiest ones to choose. Yep. Rookie of the year for the Devils. Um, and I know some of you guys might have been surprised to see Mackenzie Blackwood's name on there, but he didn't play enough. Yeah. yeah, he didn't play enough games last year to qualify. So he get, got to qualify this year as a rookie. And no Nikita Gusev, even though it was his first year in the league, was not a rookie. He's 26. So I don't know what the age is. They cut him off to be able to be eligible for a rookie, but he was above that cutoff. Um, I think the answer here was pretty easy. Mackenzie Blackwood, this was another easy one. Um, fans, 100% Mackenzie Blackwood. I think the 30 or however many um, people did it. Everyone voted Mac as well. You guys have Mac too? I you guys. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got Mac. I mean, I just, the, the kid blew me away this year, especially after like I got to see him early on in Albany and like he, and seeing him He's struggle terrible. early on. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> you know, but then and see, seeing the, like hit the turnaround for him this year was just insane. Yeah. Chris, I feel like you got a little something coming for us. <laughs> so my choice year. for rookie of the year would have been Blackwood. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not you're not different than us. So honorable mention here, um, Mr. Joey Anderson. He's a rookie and he played great this year. He, he only played in 18 games, very small sample size, but he had six points in those 18 games as like a fourth liner, getting no time of night. His underlying numbers were solid. People, um, I'm I'm not sure we're aware of that, but I got Joey Anderson as whatever honorable mention. I don't even know if you can yeah, he was pretty good. anymore. Yeah. HL All-Star. Yeah, he was. Um, all right, now we're moving on to the fan favorite. Since you're so eager, you could start us out here, Chris. Yes. Uh, fan favorite, Nico Heischer. There um, you go. You know, great, solid two-way, um, both offensive and defensively. Signed that really, really nice contract. Really nice. Um, I think, what is it, over seven years for the term? Yeah, who was the Extension? reporter that was ripping that? Um, I, I don't yeah, know I can't his name. Remember. Was he a Philly writer or something? He was getting paid, like, what, a little bit less than, like, McKinnon or something in comparison? Who, Nico now? Yeah, Nico's oh, new I contract. Know. I think it was, like, a little bit less than McKinnon, and McKinnon's deal is, like, crazy good. Yeah, McKinnon's getting really underpaid. But there was some report. I don't know if he worked for a Philly or what he did, but he said something weird about the contract, how the devil should really be giving out a contract to a kid like this. And it was just a laughable tweet. And yeah. I love seeing all the Devils fans throw it back in this guy's face. Like, there's probably about like 25 Devils fans that has this tweet saved. And whenever he shared does something cool, they yeah. always send it on Twitter, which is funny to see. And that's the reason why I agree with you. I got Nico Heeshear as well. Um, it just seemed like the the fans on Twitter, like the followers and stuff, people love the dude. Yep. Um, you see like Nico, he's your fan accounts on Twitter. Um, yeah, they just defend the hell out of him. People love him. I think he's easily the fan favorite. My runner up was the goose. People love the goose. Yeah. The goose um, was a big one. Yeah. Corey, what you got? So as much as I'm a, I'm a huge Heischer fan, I got a Heischer jersey hanging in my closet. I ended up going with Goose just because, I mean, just from the Good reaction, choice. as soon as as soon as the Devils acquired him, you saw the fan reaction kind of go through the roof for him. Yep. So, Goose and gifts then, and, everywhere. And it, yeah, exactly. Even when he scores, so, they play it in the stadium, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I mean, like, it just uh, the, the first time the dude hits the ice, you hear the fans already up and go, Goose. So, I mean, that's, that's why I kind of chose him as a fan favorite for the year. 
Good stuff. Um, yeah, so the fans agreed with me and Chris with the Nico choice at 63%. Gusev got 30%, and those were really the two that got all the love in the survey. Um, so we move on to the fan-hated um, category. There's a lot of names you could throw out there. I was going to say, this should Twitter be an interesting followers. one. Yeah. Uh, Mika Mo- uh, Mueller was a good choice there. Kevin Rooney, John Hayden. Um I didn't put it on the poll, but some people hate Damon Sirius I don't understand it. I guess they mm-hmm. just see like the own goals and the silly mistakes he makes. And just that's why they say that, but he's the best defenseman the devil's got one of the better players they have. Uh, Miles Wood is another one. I feel like people either hate the guy or love the guy. There's no in between with him. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the fans voted 58% Mika, uh, Mirko Mueller, 21% Kevin Rooney and 8% John Hayden. Um, I guess I agree with the Maker Mueller hate here. The guy was traded for what was that trade? That was a terrible trade. Second and third round pick to San Jose, right? Yeah, it was Back a, a few years yeah. ago. It was and hoping been, that he would develop, basically. He yeah, he was, he was great. a former first rounder. Yeah, he's great on the power play. Uh, power play, Jesus. The penalty kill. He's actually pretty pretty good on a penalty kill. If you look at his numbers, I know sometimes it doesn't seem like that, but mm-hmm. he's decent on a penalty kill. He's a seventh D man and nothing more. The Devils can't be putting him in his, their lineup every uh, every game next year like they were this year. Yeah, but, um, yeah for me, it's Mirko Mueller. Um, what do you guys have, Chris? Uh, I had Miles Wood, and uh, it's, a, it's a, like a love-hate relationship with the way Miles Wood plays because he has just that bull-in-the-china-shop mentality very fast, um, and I'm a big fan of that. with the physical stuff, unfortunately. He's yeah. trying to... I'm, I'm a fan of how he plays that way. It's a little bit different this year. Um, but for me, it was just the penalties that he would take. It was always a, like a bad penalty where either he just Offense didn't need to take it yeah. or it would be like at the <laughs> worst possible time. That's where this hate part for the love-hate relationship with how Miles would play plays comes in. I was, it's just like a penalty in the just worst time. So Yeah, I feel that. Corey? So mine was a, kind of a toss-up between uh, Corey Schneider and P.K. Subban, believe it or not. And it was solely based off of uh, social media reactions to both of them. It just seemed we could read through the comments after certain games, and people were always chewing them up or tearing them up. And, and it seems like just overall throughout the year, those two have been hated on like crazy. Every time Corey Schneider has been injured and out of games, people are ripping him apart. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm like I'm well known at the blog. I mean, not a Corey Schneider guy, but I I still appreciate the guy, and I, I sucks with the injuries and stuff. And he did a lot for the Devils before before he fell downhill. But once he fell, it was just absolutely tough to watch with the short side goals and stuff. But yeah, you definitely see that on Twitter. People hating on him. It's interesting you say PK Subban because we had one write in for this, like other, and someone said PK Subban here. And yep, I guess people are getting a little antsy about how his first season. But I don't blame him. Well, I mean, it seemed, it seemed like fans were expecting him right away to be like this blowout player, you know, coming out here scoring three like five years ago, first, Montreal yeah, Canadiens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Man. You people weren't were getting that. <laughs> yeah. no. And and the minute he didn't show that in the first couple of games, people were like, "Oh, he sucks. Get rid of him." <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Good stuff. So I went. We were all over the place here. I went Mueller. You, uh, Corey. You went Schneider. Chris. You went. Who'd you go? Miles Wood. Why? Just those, Wood. those yeah. penalties at the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah, Miles Wood, and then the fans went Mueller. Um, all right. Last award. The big, big team MVP. Our little heart trophy for our New Jersey Devils. Um, we had a we had a the cleanest numbers here. This pie chart that Google Form showed me it was really clean here. We got fifty percent of the fans were in favor of Mackenzie Blackwood, and twenty five percent each to Nico and Palms. Nico was interesting. He did great this year, but I didn't mm-hmm. know if he was like 
the best on the team type. This may be some of the uh, fan love showing out here. Yeah. But um, for me, it was Mac McKenzie Blackwood. He single-handedly won games for the Devils there down the stretch and may have single-handedly ensured Elaine Nazardine a head coaching job with the New Jersey Devils next year. Knock on wood, hopefully not. But um, yeah, he was great this year. I think he's by far the team's best player and without him the devils would probably be sitting in the nice place for alexis alexi lafier but it is what it is um all right chris go ahead yeah i had uh mckenzie blackwood as well team mvp um felt like there were a lot of games that uh he either stole for the devils or we had no business being in and uh we were still close you know um, yes, sir. My my shout out would be to Palms, uh, my my runner up there. But I think Blackwood yeah. stole more games for us this year. Agreed. Um, yeah, my runner up would be Palms as well. Um, Corey, who do you have? But Blackwood as well. I mean, just just phenomenal, phenomenal year. I don't think that you get the 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 team inspiration towards the end of the season to go on the run that they did without his performance out there. I mean, he was just lights out, and I think he was a big part of why you started to see like things turn around was his performance. Then wanted to get him the wins on that winning streak. So, <clears throat> yeah, he was terrific this year. Um, all right, great work, boys. That sums up, or that's the end to our season awards. Thanks everyone who voted on the um the google form it was great getting fan interaction here yeah so expect this like i said i've been doing this for the past few years i'll get everyone's opinion at the blog and this year it just happened we did it on the podcast so i think it's a fun little thing to uh to uh get our minds going something to talk about when there's not much going in the hockey world um it'll be interesting to see what the actual awards are in terms of nhl wide awards when whenever they announce them and compare to how uh, we did as well as what you guys the fans voted on um yeah so good stuff there all right so we do have time for James's prospect corner. So I'll just take you through two prospects I want to discuss this week. Um, the first being Jamie Drysdale. He is regarded as the top defender in this upcoming draft. Drysdale is a right-handed D-man. He is listed at five foot eleven and 170 pounds. He played in the OHL for the past couple seasons for the Erie Otters, who um, actually is not that great of an OHL team. I'll talk about that in a little bit. His draft minus one season offensively, he had a pretty good season for defenseman. It was the fourth amount of uh, fourth most points on his team, and like I said, they were a really bad team. His numbers weren't all that pretty. He had a pretty uh, ugly plus minus. I don't know the number off my top of his, uh, off the top of my head, but I think it was minus and it was double digits. Um, like I said, though, Erie's just a really bad team, so you can't really look into that plus minus that much. Um, this season was a lot better, and he really established himself as the top defenseman in this draft. He had 47 points and a plus nine rating in 49 uh, games. And once again, this was a team that was on a team that was really bad. They were last in their division in the OHL. As for his uh, strengths and weaknesses, his strengths, his skating ability is absolutely unreal. Out of all the defensemen in the draft, he's by far the best skating defenseman, and he's probably better than some of the top fours skating-wise. And this skating ability helps him a lot in transition, and he's also really good at like swinging his hips, and that helps him. And uh, Chris, I'm sure you could talk about this, how that ability, being able to swing your hits, yeah, hips, being able and to be transition able to backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really big, especially for defensemen when you're trying to work. Uh, Yep. One-on-one with zones. He's really good with uh, denying opposing players' entries thanks to the skating ability, and his gap control is also really solid. 
his IQ. He's also a really smart player. And like I said, with the gap control and the positioning, this is a lot of reason why you couple this being smart, high IQ with the skating ability, and you get a pretty solid player in this area of the ice defensively. His offensive production is also solid. He's not going to be an overly powerful offensive type in the NHL, but he's definitely going to be one of the better offensive defensemen. He's not an offensive defenseman, but his offensive abilities are one of the better for defensemen in this draft. Weaknesses, he lacks, he's only 5'11", and he only weighs 170 pounds, like I said. That 170 pounds is what concerns me. He needs to put on uh, more weight and strength, which I'm sure he'd do. He's only an 18-year-old kid. But right now, that strength gets him in trouble in board battles. He needs to up his strength so he wins more of these battles along the boards, as well as focus on getting more physically playing the body rather than trying to poke check and stuff because sometimes people just go right around them. Um, his skating ability, like I talked about, it's although terrific, he could rely on it too much and get himself in trouble. This could cause him to pinch bad times and cause bad rushes go the other end, and then sometimes he can't make up for it. So that's something you got to watch out. All in all, he's a pretty solid prospect, terrific prospect. He's probably going to go top three, top four in this draft, and that's not necessarily because he's the third or fourth best player in this draft. There's a lot of really good forwards and forwards that are better than him. It's just because he's by far the best defenseman. The only defenseman that kind of compares to him is Jake Sanderson, and Sanderson's a totally different player. He's more that defensive defenseman type. But um, as a projection for Drysdale, he's a top four two-way defenseman. And as I was saying, he's going to go higher than where he should really go. Um, I have him around seventh on my board. Like I said, he'll probably be a top three, top four pick. So that's on Drysdale. For the Devils, I know Devils desperately need defensemen, but Drysdale is going to be taking – would be taken with the Devils' first pick, and you got to go forward there. There's too many good forwards at the top of the board to be going uh, defensemen, although Drysdale is going to be a great player. So I'll move on to the second and last prospect I'll speak about. Anton Lundell, he's a centerman. He's an older prospect in the draft, which has some people a little scared. Um, it's it's not even old. He's an 18 years old. It's just the month he was born is later than some of the other 18 year olds, which categorizes him as one of the older. He's listed as six foot one, 185 pounds. He has good size for a centerman. He's from Finland and he played his whole entire career there in their junior system. His draft minus one season and played in the Liga which is the top finished league. And it's kind of crazy. He was playing this league as a 17 year old because this league is full of men. It's their top professional league. So you're playing against other men um, twice his age. Sometimes he had 19 points in 38 games, which is pretty darn good production for a 17 year old in a professional league. Um, this production was better than the likes of Alexander Barkov, Kasperi Kapanen, the Toronto Maple Leafs younger kid, and Mika Rantanen in their Liga draft minus one seasons, just to give you a little compar- comparison. This season in his draft eligible year, he had 28 points in 44 games, so it was an improvement on last season. His point per game in his draft eligible year in the comparison was higher than Jesse Polvari, who actually still plays over there in the Liga while he's getting his thing sorted out with the uh, Oilers. Mika Rantanen and Jesper Kokdiame, or no, I butchered that last name, but um, that's a Canadian's kid that was drafted. Uh, where did he get drafted? Fourth? A couple years back, guys? I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I think it was fourth. It was somewhere in there. But um, So, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Liga actually tracks advanced stats, which is really cool. Um, the Corsi and all that good stuff I love. Crazy thing about Lindell is this season he led his team with a 61% Corsi rating, and it was second in the whole entire league, the professional league. It was second. Um, yeah, the year before was also Yeah. The year before was also really above average. is at 54%, although not as good as this year, but it has a 17-year-old in the professional league. Are you kidding me? 50% Corsi? Yeah, um, exactly. And just – for you guys know 50 percent average like i said 61 percent this year is well above average and 50 percent last year 54 percent last year is also above average his strength is he's an extremely smart player one of the smartest in the draft and for this reason he is the best defensive forward in the first round the first round prospects he's great defensively he sees the game like a veteran in this area and which is crazy given his age. Um, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that he's a 17, 18 year old kid playing a professional league, but that's good for him. Offensively, his stick handling and shot are slightly above average. So he has this area going for him as well. And he uses his side to have really good puck control and protection, um, really good aspects of his game. Weaknesses in his game is his playmaking ability is pretty average and his passing is subpar, especially in the offensive zone. His pat it's weird. His passing in the defensive zone is great. But once he gets in the offensive zone, he sometimes misses easy passes and all that stuff. But that's something you uh, could work on. I'm sure it will change. And last weakness is his skating um, ability needs to be worked on. His top end speed, acceleration, all that stuff could be improved. It's a little below average. And of the top forwards in this draft, like around this area, like Stutzel and Raymond as well as Holtz. Um, Holtz is more on the level to see, but Stutzel and Raymond are a lot better skaters than, um, than Lundell. His projection for me is a two-way forward with uh, a limited offensive ceiling, but he still could contribute. A great comparison that was made that I read is Miko Koivu. That's a solid comparison for him, a defensive reliable forward who can also contribute in the offensive zone. Think of him as a more offensive, better Travis Zajac, a second-line version of Travis Zajac. Um, for me, he's 10th on his list, and I would love to see him in a Devils jersey with the uh, Devils' second pick, wherever that comes in around that 10 area. But, yeah, those are my two prospects for today. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add there. I don't know if you guys looked into these guys at all. You guys got anything? I remember looking into them a little bit, but I think you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with these guys. Thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate I, that I, kind I, feedback. I, I agree with Chris. <laughs> Thanks, boys. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that's all we got for this episode. Like I said, that's awards segment took up a lot of time, and we think it was a fun little segment for you guys to interact with us. So next week, we think it's going to be next week. Could be two weeks from now. Um, maybe even three. Who knows? Who but we knows? may just have a special guest coming on the podcast. It would be an out-of-house guest. It wouldn't be an in-house Devil's Army blog fellow blog guy it's an out of house guest we're not going to say any more because we don't want to spoil it but um once we get it confirmed we'll get on the page maybe announce it but um you guys can guess in the comments if you want yeah if you guys want to do that you can take a little guess it's a good idea but um yeah so we'll hopefully have that in the works let's see no that's all we have you boys have anything else for them not much just let's go devils we're really excited. Hopefully we get it going. Have a good week. I hope you guys enjoy. Let us know any comments you guys have on anything. Um, if not, have a good week. Boys, take care. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one, everyone. Later. Later.